Jake Fund, we believe that、uh, the current situation should not stand in the way of promising startups meeting potential investors. So, therefore, yeah, we decided to launch this initiative to connect investors and startups, startups virtually. So, we started this from Thailand because we know, you know Thai people very well. So, how you know, they behave. So, they are always up for anything, they are willing to try new things. Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I am here with my guest today, Koichi Saito. He is the founder and general partner at KK Fund. KK Fund is a VC firm based in Singapore with Japanese limited partners that invests in seed stage startups across Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, and Taiwan.、Uh, Koichi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. It's, it's great to have you. I think for me personally, Southeast Asia is really the biggest. Industry insight gap that I personally have when it comes to global startups.、Uh, so I'm always happy to connect with someone who's an expert in the region and can help me、uh, better understand it because I actually hear a lot that there's many, many parallels between the African SME and entrepreneurship environment and some, some of the Southeast Asia environments. Really happy to have this conversation. Sure, sure. So why don't we, why don't we start off with just hearing a little bit about your story, how, how you got into the VC space. Um, and maybe、uh, the founding story of KK Fund. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, let me talk about my background to answer this. So, I worked in finance industry for more than 15 years. So, after my undergraduate, I started to work for money lending company and also investment bank. And after spending three years there in Tokyo, I moved to a private equity fund, which is、uh, one of the George Soros funds in Tokyo. That was in 2007. And I had spent five years there. So I you know, experienced、uh, both before and after Lehman Brothers collapse at the PE fund. So that was a really exciting moment, actually. And in 2012, I moved to Spain for my MBA. So I always wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was young, but I was so busy and I was swamped. With my work. So I was losing my passion to be an entrepreneur. But at my MBA, everyone talked about entrepreneurship, innovation, like technology, startup, and venture capital, and so on. So the life there encouraged me to rediscover my passion, actually. And yeah, I mean, and to make it better, when I did internship in Venture Capital Fund in Silicon Valley、uh, during my MBA, it, it turned me on. So、I thought this is my future job, and I started to seriously think about my, you know, you know, starting my own fund. So then, you know, right after my MBA, I moved to Singapore and jumped into a venture capital fund. So I worked very hard and, you know, learned as much as possible there. And then finally, after spending two years, I decided to run my own fund with my partner. So that was five years ago, and now I'm running two early stage funds. That's a great story. And, and so, was there any particular reason why you chose to go to, to Singapore right after your, your MBA, like instead of you know, Japan, China, Silicon Valley? 50% is, is coincidence. So, when I did the internship in Silicon Valley, so I met the one Japanese guy who, who was planning to launch the fund in Southeast Asia. So, actually, he asked me to join、uh, the fund so after MBA. I did an internship in Singapore too for two months. And then, yeah, I decided to you know, jump into that farm. And, but 
also, right? I mean, if I go back to Japan, I thought I cannot differentiate myself so much. So, Southeast Asia still venture capital industry is still, you know, not matured back in 2012. So, yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, if I go there and then I thought I can differentiate myself as a Japanese and also my P background, investment bank, and so on in Southeast Asia. So I thought this is an opportunity. So that's why I chose. Yeah, I resonate with that because when I started this podcast, I knew I couldn't just talk about startups. I had to differentiate myself. Like you said, I had to focus on startups in emerging markets in Africa because there weren't a lot of people talk about that. And so I was able to kind of separate myself from the pack with that. So I, I definitely resonate with that a lot. That's awesome. But now that we're five years later from, from starting that, it's 2020. Talk to me about the evolution of your thoughts on what the most exciting countries in Southeast Asia were. Like, is that, is that different now than when you started? And like, how, how has that changed? Comparing with five years ago, it's, it's totally, totally different market right now in Southeast Asia. So a lot of money is flooding into Southeast Asia from all over the world, actually, from U.S., Japan, and China, and so on. So, I mean, back to your question. So, if you look at the number of the unicorn companies in Southeast Asia, we have to admit Indonesia is the most exciting region. Indonesia has you know huge population. I mean, due to the size of the population, I think Indonesia has two hundred fifty million uh, people, and also GDP growth as that that have been you know uh, increasing a lot. So that's why a huge sum of the money flooding into Indonesia from China, US, and Japan, and Europe too. On the other hand, the valuation of the Indonesian startups is heating up and becoming unrealistic now. So, you know, for us, for our farm, now the Vietnam is one of the most exciting countries. So from a macroeconomic perspective, the country can be an next position of Indonesia. So, I mean, I'm observing lots of young and smart Vietnamese who had studied in the U.S. and Europe. Now, you know, they are coming back to Vietnam and then they are starting their own business to bet Southeast Asia market. So we are keen to invest in those startup founders in Vietnam. So for us, Vietnam is now a very exciting country. Mm-hmm. And so what exactly does an exit look like there? Like, I'm assuming the corporate environment isn't that mature. Like, if you want to engineer a big exit, is it going to have to be, you know, an M&A, like building the company in Vietnam, but someone in Singapore or China or Hong Kong acquiring you? Or like, how, what does that look like? Right. So, yeah, it's Southeast Asia, right? So exit is one of the challenging things, yeah, yeah, as you point out. So we don't have good IPO market in tech company, tech industry. So, yeah, like you say, we have to depend on M&A. So now, now it's a trend. Uh, the unicorn company in Southeast Asia, so they are acquiring a like, smaller startup. So it's 100 million you know, US dollar, 200 million US dollar. So that's the one trend. So the other thing, now, of course, the local conglomerate. So they are starting to acquire startups in Southeast Asia. And secondary market, actually, so trade sale. So like selling the VC fund share to PE fund you know, or other later stage VC fund. So that's also one of the trends for Excel. We have several options, but unfortunately, we don't have a market like you know, JASTAQ, Mothers in Japan and you know, NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange. So we have to depend on M&A and trade sales. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's the case across most emerging markets. Right. Although, you know, Jumia in Africa, I'm, I'm sure you saw they IPO'd on, on, on the New York Stock Exchange. Right. That I mean, that's a whole that's a whole nother thing because their uh, Rocket Internet actually sold all of their Jumia stake right. at the beginning of this week, so obviously it didn't go that well. And they just, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see more of some sort of a globalization of the IPO process, and I think that might happen with with tokenization mm. at some point. Right, but I don't think we're anywhere close to, to that. Right. But anyways, I do want to hear more about your Meet the Match program that you recently launched. Because um, I know, I mean, obviously, topic of the day and every headline now is is coronavirus, coronavirus. Love to hear about some of your your responses and then how it's affected the VC environment in the region. So, yeah, with governments implementing a lockdown and travel bans in the light of the COVID-19, right? So it's, it's, it has become more difficult for startup founders to meet with investors face-to-face, of course. However, I mean, Geeky Fund, we believe that uh, the current situation should not stand in the way of promising startups meeting potential investors. So therefore, yeah, we decided to launch this initiative to connect investors and startups virtually. So we started this from Thailand because we know, you know, Thai people very well, how they behave. They are always up for anything. They are willing to try new things. And, you know, people share news on a lot online, you know. And so when I talk to Thai local investors about Meet Your Match, this program, everyone actually willingly agreed on board. So after launching this, you know, in Thailand, uh, as I expected, a lot of people shared this news and it was, it was spreading to outside Thailand. Due to overwhelming, overwhelming positive demand, we decided to launch in other regions like Southeast Asia. And, and also Taiwan, and now we are launching in Korea. Actually, now you know more than one fifty global investor joined. Me. So I'm I'm very happy to see you know a VC collaboration right now. Yeah, that's awesome. So you said people from Thailand are up for anything. Is that what everyone in Southeast Asia says about Thai people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Are you seeing that like there's a clear freeze or slowdown in VCs deploying capital? Or are you still seeing deals getting getting funded in this environment? I, I've seen some of the corporate venture capital. Yeah, they, they are not saying they are stopping. But yeah, they are slowing down, actually. But uh, from independent VCs, they are still uh, aggressively looking for deals because, you know, the last one year, a lot of VC funds was or established actually. I think in total, something like five billion US dollar fund with set. So they have to deploy their money actually. So they are aggressively looking for uh, yeah deals. And now you know the valuation in Southeast Asia it's becoming realistic. So for some of the BC, you know, it's really great timing actually to invest in the startup. So do you think this is a really good time to come into Indonesia? Because I know you said before. That it was getting super bubbly and hot and hot there. Do you feel like it's now is a chance maybe to go there and and get some better price deals? That's right. I mean, I'm already I'm already seeing actually, you know, some of the startup, you know, the setting their share at the lower price, so almost fifty percent, you know, lower than you know before. Got it. Okay. Well, that's good and bad. Yeah, good and bad situation. I in, mean, in- startup. You know, in the long run, you know, this is also a great opportunity for them, right? This situation, right, obviously accelerate, yeah, DX, right? So everyone is going mm-hmm. online. So I mean, now 
people are changing the behavior. So it's a great opportunity for startup actually. I think that's right. I mean, I think a lot of industries that have been very, very slow and just not really prioritizing their digital strategy are now being forced to. Right. And so I, I actually agree that even in the US, I think the US has maybe just the West in general, and there's much more rigid hierarchies of, you know, financial power and corporate power that just hasn't really needed to digitize themselves like like the education system. Right. And so now in this environment, like there's more opportunities that have opened up in all sorts of industries. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm telling to all my portfolio company, yeah, I mean, we have to survive for next one year. And then maybe after one year, yeah, I mean, that would be a great opportunity for us. So anyway, let's survive for now. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. And it's interesting. I like this current generation of like the startup world has never seen any, any sort of recession. I mean, since 2008, like money's just been right. available and getting more and more available every single year. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see who, who, who comes out on the back end of this. But I, I, I do want to do the next half of this interview basically focused on Japan. Mm-hmm. There's been very few countries or kind of like ecosystems in the world that I haven't been able to really, you know, come in, mm-hmm. get plugged in and create some good content on the ecosystem. Right. Japan is one of those countries that I just, I was never able to really plug in and, and, and figure out. So our, our portfolio of shows, one thing that they do is they serve a key network mapping function across different ecosystems. And Japan, for me, is still a big mystery. Right. So any insight, any insight you can give me on the VC scene there, uh, you know, what's going on there, that would be great. I'm not an expert, but I've seen very interesting trend now, actually. So in this situation, a lot of the VC funds are setting up the follow-on fund, the growth fund for their own portfolio company. So LPs in Japan, they are happy to, you know, invest in the follow-on fund because they have a great IPO market, right? So let's say if I'm running the VC fund in Japan, okay, hey guys, so in this situation, you know, we need the money. However, we invest in only top five company under my portfolio company. So give us money. Then for LP, of course, you know, if we choose only top five company for my portfolio company, and then, you know, the chance, you know, for the startup to go public, that'll be higher. So they are happy to invest, actually. So I'm seeing, you know, several VC funds in Japan, they are setting up the follow-on fund, which is, you know, growth fund. But in Southeast Asia, it's still, you know, exit strategy, you know, timing, it's, it's not so clear. So I don't think, you know, the LP are willing to invest in one in Southeast Asia, but in Japan it's happening. It's very interesting. Do you find that a lot of Japanese LPs are putting a lot of money into funds like yours that, that does kind of rest of Southeast Asia outside of Japan? It's like I, I know one of the things about the Japanese market is it's very highly regulated. Right. And so are, do a lot of like high net worth people in Japan that if there was like a more friendly environment at home domestically, they would invest in. But are those people investing outside? So for, you know, the family office, individual, right? They like to divorce their investment. So uh, definitely Southeast Asia is uh, one of the options for them. So some of them, you know, they are shifting, you know, investment from China to Southeast Asia. So the other part, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the corporates actually, they like to expand into Southeast Asia, the next market, you know, next to Japan. 
So they like to get information about you know the tech startup in Southeast Asia. So first they are putting money into the VC fund Southeast Asia and then getting the opportunity to get a partnership with startup and you know sometimes you know they are getting a deal for the M and A from the VC fund. So there are two types: financial and also strategic from Japan. So in fact, so. So eighty percent of our fund will come from Japan. Is that eighty percent of KK fund? That's right, eighty fund. Okay, interesting. Fund coming from Japan, and and, and is coming from like Japanese corporates that you know want strategic partners in in these startups, or like from individual and corporate, both of them, and even BC in Japan, hmm. they invest in us. Well, that makes sense. That 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 makes sense. That corporates would look to other countries as kind of sandbox. I mean, are they are they looking to maybe invest in technologies that they can enter the Japanese market, or just kind of engineering the exits in in other markets? In other market, actually, yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, this has been a fantastic interview. I I want to finish this off with maybe just hearing if if you can give us any resources, as in you know books or tech media outlets, or like how how can we learn more about. The, the the really the ecosystem in, in in Southeast Asia. Like, what are what resources do you follow to, to stay up? Oh, ladies and so actually, we have been talking to a lot of BC friends actually. Mm-hmm. So, was you know talking with BC and startup directly. So you know, this is the best for us. But <clears throat> so in addition, of course, you know we are reading. Tech media such as you know, Tech in Asia, E27, and so on, and Deal Street Asia. So they are focusing on you know tech uh, industry. So yeah. What, what about any good books? Do you have any? Not, I mean, I've, I've been quarantined for weeks in my apartment, man. I need get a new book I, I can read. Is there anything you'd recommend on on oh, but, like tech or entrepreneurship in the region? Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting question. Uh, so, I mean, personally, I, I'm reading about copywriting actually now. Okay, interesting. Why is yeah, that? Why is that? Right? I mean, so in this situation, I mean, I need I need you know the PR skill actually. Mm. Sometimes uh, we cannot show the great KPI right now. I mean, even start a founder, so they have to deliver a good story in this situation. Okay, in one year, in two years, we can be like that, right? So I just want to want to learn you know, the strong message. How we can deliver the strong message to anyone, so to investor, to startup, and you know, to the client. So that's why now I'm I'm reading about copywriting. Interesting, interesting. So one thing that brought to my mind, real quick, before we sign off. Like, would you say entrepreneurs, like startup founders in Southeast Asia are good at raising capital and in dealing with VCs? Or do you think there's a lack of communication skill? I think like, cause we, I, I focus a lot on, on content and really shining a spotlight on what's happening in Africa. And I think one of the big problems is, is there's a disconnect. It's in, you know, maybe the culture or the vernacular of local entrepreneurs in Africa for, you know, trying to raise money from Western VCs or outside capital. Like, do you, you find there's a lot of room for improvement in that area in Southeast Asia as well with your founders? Or do you think they're pretty good at the, the rapport that's required for raising capital? I, I would say uh, now, you know, that most of the founders are pretty good at fundraising, actually, from uh, even they are raising from outside Southeast, Southeast Asia. Yeah. 
But I mean, five years ago, ten years ago, yeah, I mean, they had nothing. I mean, they are really quite bad actually for you know, pitching to investors. So ecosystem itself has been improved a lot for five years. So like five years ago, you know, there's not many accelerator and you know, not many people are, you know, can teach how to pitch to investors. I mean, pitching skill has been very much improved now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of startups, you know, it's very good actually pitching to, yeah, like global VCs, even global VCs. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. We have ecosystems rising around the world. Well, Koichi Sato, founder and general partner at KK Fund. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much.